This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It doesn't really matter if you don't believe in ghosts because they'll still be there, ready to haunt you. This world is a strange one. It's estimated that 107 billion people have ever lived, and at this moment, there are seven billion currently alive. That's 100 billion dead people and lost souls. Sometimes if you're lucky or unlucky, you might even encounter one such soul, but you'd better hope it isn't angry, if it's really human. Enjoy these 10 allegedly true ghost stories. But first, if you've got some scary experiences as a lifeguard, or you've got some scary gaming stories, I'd love to hear them. You can send us your story today at darknessprevails.org, and if you want some bonus stories, become a patron at patreon.com darknessprevails. Now, it's time to wake the dead. Number one. The Strageria Experience, submitted by Adam Flowers. I'm a biologist, and as such, I place a lot of weight on evidence. I try to ignore eyewitness accounts and anecdotal experiences. To me, the word paranormal is a misnomer. There are simply things we don't understand yet, I also have to admit that I use cannabis frequently, but not for fun, but as directed by my physician. As such, I don't really use any strains that are strong enough to affect me in any other way than relieving pain and allowing me good sleep. I've been doing it for two years now, and I've never had an experience like I did only two nights ago. We live in Southern California. We recently moved to a beach city. Our new home is being remodeled so we're staying in another home my family owns temporarily. My family only purchased this home a month back, and they haven't moved in or began to work on it just yet. From the very outset, the house oozed with darkness and just straight-up weird floor plans that get you lost, doors that go to nowhere, a secret entrance in the garage, and a bonus room that's only 10 by 10 with a skylight and two padlocks. I decided to lock that room and never go in it. Besides, it's going to be demolished soon anyway. There were mirrors everywhere, and this really creeped out my wife. They looked like the mirrors from that horror film Oculus, but much smaller. There were about 10 in that room altogether. I removed them and put them in the garage, except for the largest, which was bolted into the wall, and I have no tools with me that can undo it. Once we got settled, I began to check out the bedrooms, and it only got weirder from there. Two of the bedrooms had windows, but these windows don't go outside. They were one-way mirrors into other rooms in the home, including that creepy 10 by 10 room. I decided not to tell my wife about this, so I suggested that we put our air mattress in the living room for the time being. She didn't question it, as our furniture was in storage, and there was no furniture in the home. She just assumed that I wanted to watch the large television that we had in the room. 
That night, we went to bed just fine, actually being thrilled that we moved in and had an ocean view. I pushed the creepiness out of my mind as stress from the move. I dismissed the house's odd design and I chalked it up to the original owners who built the home in 1966. I told myself that they were just really bad at home improvements, but that was lying to myself to be honest. I woke up the next morning and that's when things began to get bad. As I walked down the hallway, the large mirror there caught my attention. I looked and at the top of it, the past owners had carved their names into the mirror. It wrote, enjoy your new home from Mr. and Mrs. Let's call them pizza. I'm not being derogatory or funny, but it's the first thing that comes to mind about the previous owners. That's because when we moved in, they had left behind four industrial sized pizza ovens. This was even weirder because I was told they were just hermits who kept to themselves. Anyway, I had tried to get that mirror down the day before for at least 10 minutes straight. And I have to be honest with you, the carving wasn't there that day, but still in denial, I ignored it, telling myself I was just stressed, that it had to have been there the day before and I just didn't see it. But deep down, I was shaken. I knew I was wrong. On one sunny day, we decided we needed to get out of the house. We're six blocks from the beach after all. We didn't move to a beach city to just sit inside all day. So as we got ready to go, we walked our new puppy and left him loose in one of the bedrooms. I felt he was old enough to be on his own without an accident, and I wasn't ready exactly to give him free reign of a new house, as huskies are known to be escape artists. Well, we went out and we had a great time. Later on that day, when we arrived home, the first thing I noticed was that the puppy was crying. I ran to the bedroom to let him out, but the bedroom was now locked from the inside. I put my ear to the door because I thought I heard something. As I did, I heard whispering, but it wasn't loud enough to make out. I was afraid that someone had broken in, that they'd locked themselves in that room trying to steal our dog when they heard us pull up. So I did what I thought I had to. I kicked the door in. That door was going to get replaced anyway. So I barged in and it was pitch black in the room, though it shouldn't have been because I play a TV in the background with nature noises to calm the dog while we're not home. I turned on the light to the room and there was no one there, not even my dog. I began to panic when I heard him crying again, but now it was from another room, not the one I put him in and there was no way he did this on his own. I found him locked in that creepy 10 by 10 room. Completely thrown for a loop, I let him out, and I was assuming someone was screwing with us and changing our locks. I just couldn't understand what was really happening. I went to lay down on the air mattress to de-stress with some guilty pleasure TV that wouldn't engage me intellectually too much. That evening, I couldn't leave the house there was a technician on his way to install Wi-Fi, which we desperately needed, as there are times in this city where you can't even get a weak signal on your cell phone. Soon enough, the installation appointment window came and passed, yet there was no sign of the technician. I'm patient, so I waited another hour and a half before finally calling the company. By this time, it was dark out. They said that there was an unforeseen issue, that they couldn't install it today so they'd be there first thing in the morning. I was irritated, but that was fine. That night, we rested pretty easily, falling asleep quickly, until about three in the morning, when I heard a large rumbling growl. 
It's the only way I can describe this noise, but not like you'd hear from a dog. This was something else. No matter what, this was odd, because in an overcrowded beach city, there really wasn't much in the way of wildlife, save for what's underwater. As I lay there listening to this noise, the next thing I heard was a shattering, and of course, it was coming from the 10 by 10 room. I shot out of bed, completely ready to finally confront this person who's been screwing with us. I ran into the room, and of course, there was no one inside. I looked at that one-way mirror that went into the next bedroom. From this side, you could only see your own reflection, but it was mostly shattered. I walked over to inspect it, and I found a bullet hole. It was an exit bullet. I'm sure of it because I've grown up with firearms my entire life. My dad was a cop. I don't think anyone else heard it, which is extremely weird because land is a premium here and our neighbors are less than 20 feet away. So there was really nothing I could do but lock the doors again and go back to bed. I didn't tell my wife what I saw. I was trying to push the thought out of my head altogether. The morning came and the internet service technician was finally here. I opened the door and he looked absolutely horrified and seemed like he didn't want to come inside. When he actually saw me though, he instantly relaxed. He smiled like we were brothers or something who hadn't seen each other in years. He said he was happy to see me, assuming he was just being polite so that he'd get a good review if we did one. But he continued at how relieved he was to see a normal person in this house. Curious, I asked him what he meant. He told me that most of the people in the neighborhood were afraid of this house. He told me that the neighborhood was initially settled by Italian immigrants and the previous owners fit that group. He said that a woman who had lived here was regarded as a practitioner of strategia. I'd never heard this before, but he told me it was an ancient form of mysticism. Apparently, it had Catholic roots. The closest English definition would be witchcraft. Being the cynical biologist that I was, I laughed, thanking him for coming, and he left. I went into one of the spare bedrooms because we left our luggage in there, and I didn't think it necessary to move it just yet, as I was and still am skeptical for the most part. I only say most part because of what happened next. The closet door in the room was open, and it was an extremely heavy wooden sliding door, and I was the only person with the strength to move it, and that was only just barely. There was a box of photos in there, and stupidly, I decided to take a look. Almost all of them were of the previous owner and her dog, and my first thought was, she didn't look creepy. She looked happy and normal. I put the pictures away and went back to my business. Time once again came for bed, and I was pretty stressed, so I went outside to smoke a little pot first, so I could chill out and fall asleep better. The marine layer, or a big body of fog, had rolled in, and visibility in front of me was only about 10 feet, and it was pretty cold that night. But then again, we're spoiled here, so cold to us might be pretty warm to others. I sat outside and began to get my things ready to smoke. My wife came outside with me and we talked. It was extremely barren outside. There were no cars or people on the street, and it was almost completely silent, except for the sound of a barking dog almost two blocks away. My wife went inside and I went back to the edge of the yard where I smoke. That way it doesn't go into any of the neighbor's windows. In this section of the yard, I would perch on the ledge, which normally gave you a beautiful view of the harbor lights. But with the fog, there was no luck with that. Oh well, I thought, and was about to light up when an extremely frail Caucasian woman 
an extremely old one at that, came around the corner, walking her dog. My mouth hung open, because that was the same dog I'd seen in those photos from the box in the room. Lots of people like small dogs, I thought. In this part of town, they were almost an accessory. Maybe it just looked exactly like it. She walked by very slowly, deliberately slower than what would be considered normal for someone of even her age. She walked past me and stopped at the neighbor's driveway. She faced away from it, looking at the harbor, which was again odd because you couldn't see anything. So to me, it looked like she was just staring into the fog. She did this for 10 minutes straight, not moving. I assumed she hadn't noticed me. Then she began to turn her head back and forth quickly in an unnatural jerking motion, as if she was paranoid about being attacked at any moment. I once more did something incredibly stupid. I jumped down from my perch, said, hello, ma'am, and asked her if she needed help. I even invited her inside where it's warm. She said nothing, but jerked her head once more, finally fixating it on me. Her face was extremely grimaced, as if she was indignant, not just normally angry, but ready to fight angry. I started to walk closer towards her. I couldn't make out all of her details completely from this distance. I had no fear though. I'm 185 centimeters and about 112 kilograms, and she looked to be less than half my weight. Even still, she took a step towards me and came into view. Immediately, I was terrified and my heart rate instantly spiked higher than I've ever felt it, because that was the same woman from the photos, Mrs. Pizza, as I called her. She was pale, paler than normal, and she smelled like rotting fish. This woman was soaking wet all over, but the worst part was that her eyes were red, not just the pupil, but her entire eyes. I screamed like a small child, and I jumped back, taking a defensive posture, ready to fight until the death. She then smiled and took a step back, fading into the thick fog. I decided I didn't need to sleep that night, as I was pretty horrified at this point, and I didn't want to smoke to the point that I'd fall asleep. I didn't feel safe. I guess you could say I wasn't ready to be unconscious just yet. I called my mom the next morning, and I told her she needed to move up the demolition date of the house. I'm not sure if that will be the end of it. I don't have a concrete answer for my experiences either. Rational or not, my peace of mind is worth more. So from here on out, we'll be staying at an extended stay hotel until our place is ready. And from this day onward, I hope I never see that scary red-eyed Italian witch ever again. Number two, Grayscale Ghosts. Submitted by Young Indigo. I have a few stories to share, as I feel the time is finally right. For someone my age, I've had a few more experiences with odd, creepy, and unexplainable things than most people would think. Before I say anything, no, I've never abused substances in my life, unless you count caffeine during finals. I also don't have any sort of mental disorder besides a bit of anxiety and depression in the past, which really doesn't affect this sort of thing. I've never experienced a hallucination. In fact, I never experienced anything like this 
until we moved into a new house. The entities I've witnessed have been in shades of black and white, never color. The grayscale lady was the first one I saw. I was in our basement, watching Netflix after school, trying to relax. I hadn't moved my eyes from their fixed position on the TV for a while, when all of a sudden, a figure materialized in the corner of my eye. In the split second that I saw her, I could see many details. She was a tall woman, with dark hair pulled back into a tight bun. She didn't have a single hair out of place, and she had dark, angry eyes that didn't seem to have any whites to them. Her face was covered with wrinkles, but they were faint, more from stress than age, if that's even a thing. She wore a long dress that covered her feet, her arms, and buttoned up her neck. Her lips were pursed, as though she was looking at something she disapproved of, and she was staring directly at me. Her image is burned into my head, whipping my head to face her. I only got one millisecond of seeing her before she was gone. Now I know what I saw. I couldn't have made this up. I was too scared to stand up and go upstairs, so I turned back to the TV, pretending to watch my show and never taking my mind nor my peripherals off that spot in the room. I thought she was going to come back at any second. My second encounter, I saw a little blonde girl. It was late at night and my dad was driving me home from an activity. I was sitting shotgun and looking out the window like I normally do. When I swear to God, I saw again, out of the corner of my eye first, a little girl sitting in the back seat of our car. And once again, I only saw her for the shortest second and I can't forget that image. She didn't frighten me the way the grayscale lady had. Her hand was up against her cheek and she was just staring out the window like I was. She wore a puffy, lacy dress that took up the entire seat, even though the figure herself was small and couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old in appearance. She had hair that was in lots of little ringlets, almost in a neat Lolita style. Again, a second after I turned my head to look at her, she was gone. I know I wasn't making this stuff up, not the little blonde girl, nor the grayscale lady, I couldn't have been. I've never seen these sorts of things in my life until after this move. I asked my dad if he'd seen things, but he shook his head and laughed. He thought I was trying to mess with him, so I just dropped the subject. The girl had been in all shades of gray as well, just like the woman in the basement, but I knew from the shade of white of her hair that she was blonde, and I think she would have been a very sweet little girl if she hadn't disappeared. The last of these experiences was with the black cat. I consider this one a friend. There are a lot of sightings of the black cat here and there, so I'll list them very quickly. I once saw a black cat silhouette running across the wall in my basement. My best friend once saw a black cat run across my front yard and into a bush, though in this one small block, we only have two cats and they're both bright orange. Another friend of mine once saw a black cat in my basement and because of a medication he is on. It's impossible for him to hallucinate or see things that aren't there. His brain is lacking the chemicals that cause that sort of thing. He's still convinced it was a prank we pulled on him and doesn't believe me when I say that we don't have a black cat and even when I say that we don't have a stuffed animal like that in our basement. We saw a black cat running across the school hallway once 
and no one save for a friend of mine even glanced in its direction. There are quite a few more, but I won't bore you. The one that shocked me the most is when I told my best friend about the cat I'd been seeing. She got really quiet, then told me about her pet cat she'd had as a little girl. It was a black cat named Princess. She'd gotten hit by a car and died. She says that one day in middle school, she'd seen a black cat run across the school's field and then over to a kid that was sitting alone against the fence. Feeling like her old friend was trying to tell her something, my friend decided to sit down and start a conversation with the kid. And that's how she and I met. The black cat had led her right to me and I'm honestly so glad that she did. Over the years that we've been so close, she's helped me out of my depression in multiple ways and I honestly don't know if I would still be alive if it weren't for her presence in my life. We've been painfully inseparable ever since we first met. My friend told me that she'd always considered Princess to be her guardian angel, and after this, I feel the cat's presence as a guardian as well. We try to come up with explanations as to why we see these things around that house, but we don't really know just yet. So far, the spirits haven't hurt me, and I don't think they will though I am a bit scared of the grayscale lady, but I think we'll be fine so long as we have Princess still there. Number three, My Grandpa's Ghost, submitted by Cora E. This happened about two years ago in the house I still live in today. In fact, I lived there all my life. This house is about 30 years old, and my family's been there ever since the house was built. You could say that the house is part of the family. I've had a few paranormal experiences, but the one I'm about to tell you about is one of the scariest. One day I was sitting at my computer. My brother, who was usually with me in the room playing video games, had been out with my dad that day, and my grandma and mom were in the other room watching a movie. Everything all in all was pretty quiet, so I was the only one in my room. About 20 minutes later, I suddenly felt eyes on me, eyes drilling a hole into the back of my head. I just brushed it off considering I was a pretty paranoid person, but a few minutes later, I could very vividly feel a hand on my shoulder. It was a larger hand and warm. Immediately, I turned around, but no one was there. I was left completely alone with chills all over my body. I ran to the other room to see if someone was messing with me, but there was no signs of anyone that could have gotten up to do that. A few days later, I was asking my family about my grandpa because I knew he had passed away in this very house. He had passed away before I was born and my grandma always told me that he would have loved me. Ever since that day, I don't go into that room alone. I'm even in the room right now, but I'm with my brother, and even if it is my grandpa reaching out beyond the grave, I just hope nothing like that ever happens again. I've heard stories of things pretending to be someone you know. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, People are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties 
You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Number 4. Wheelchair Lady Submitted by Jasmine R. A couple of months back, my dad used to work in construction in some Los Angeles apartments. This isn't my story, it's my father's. Sometimes my dad might seem like a total tough guy with a tough mind, but in reality, my dad gets scared really easily. One night, my dad is done with his work, and it's his job to check and lock all the doors before he goes home. As my dad finishes locking all the doors, he heads on over to the elevator. The elevator door is open, and suddenly he gasps. There before him waiting in the elevator is an old woman in a wheelchair. And this is odd, because no one was supposed to be in the building at that time, especially not an old lady in a wheelchair. My dad, of course, hesitated before going in, he steps inside very slowly, then asks the lady, what floor, ma'am? She answers with, the lower floor. My dad responds with, you mean the ground floor? Then, without ever showing emotion, and without even looking at my dad, she replies, no, lower. My dad was confused, so he just pressed the ground floor button, because that's where he needed to go. The ground floor is the parking lot where my dad's car was parked. As the elevator doors open, my dad waits for the old lady to get out first, but she was taking too long, so he just went ahead in front of her. My dad gets into his car and throws his phone onto the passenger seat. As he turns on the car, though, he hears the back door open, and it's the old lady. There was no possible way this could have happened, because he literally just saw the old lady trying to get out of the elevator struggling. There was no way she could have traveled that fast in that wheelchair and then thrown herself in. My dad, looking into the rearview mirror in shock, listens as she says something from the back seat. 
that will disturb my dad forever. I'm coming with you, sweetie. My dad responds with, what the heck are you talking about? She wasn't all the way in just yet, and at this point he was so scared, he didn't care if he hurt the woman. So he floored it and rushed out of the car park in seconds. He looks back in the mirror, and the old lady is in the car park on the ground, screaming curses at him. My dad finds the security guard that was there. Then he warns him that there's an old lady down in the car park. She's strange, but may need some help. The guard looked confused and said that he would check it out. The next day, they call my dad up to the office and ask him what happened. My dad told them everything and they were all confused. They said that right after my dad left, the security guard went to check for the old lady, but there wasn't a single trace of her, not even a wheelchair. They'd even called the cops, but there was still no sign of the lady in the vicinity. They all thought my dad was going crazy. My dad knows what he saw, and he'll swear to it to this very day. Number five, Lights Out, Ladies. Submitted by Anonymous. At the time of this story, I was in the seventh grade. Now, every year, my school takes a trip to Disney World, and normally they take the eighth graders, but having some friends in the eighth grade and having to pay a relatively small fee in comparison, I was lucky enough that I got to go as well. When we got there, we all got unpacked. We planned on being there for the next week and a half. We got there around 9 p.m., so our chaperone made us settle down and get ready for bed. The first night was normal besides the usual stomping above us and the cry of a baby in the night. The next morning we woke up and we're all very tired still, even though we'd had about 10 hours of sleep. We get ready for our first adventure and then we set out about our day, hanging out, riding the rides and playing around the park. That night, when we got back to the hotel, everything was dark and quiet. No babies were crying tonight and the stomping was gone. We simply thought that we were lucky that the people above us had gone. So after that, we didn't think anything more of it. But in the middle of the night, my friend Haley woke up shaking. She woke me and my other two friends up, Kaylin and Emily, asking us if we'd turn the air down to 68. And we all told her we hadn't touched the vent. So we turned the heat on and went back to sleep. The next day, we woke up early and went downstairs. We ate our breakfast and went back up and showered. And finally, we went out to the park. We did the same thing as yesterday, goofing off and having loads of fun all day. But that night was different. The hotel seemed far colder than usual. Not the kind of cold we'd felt the other night, but bone chilling cold. It was dreadful. We all felt goosebumps on our skin and we silently went to our groups. We went to bed without saying a word to each other. It was very strange. The next morning was the most bizarre. We woke up and none of us could speak. We'd all lost our voices. Each one of us had gotten hoarse throats during the night. This concerned us because we had a chorus performance that day. Completely weirded out, we assumed that it would get better throughout the day, so we just didn't talk to the other groups and hoped for the best. But after several hours, our throats did not get any better, and we ended up having to cancel the performance. Well, our group anyway. Our group had to sit in the audience that night. 
We went on our way back to the hotel after our disappointment, and we were hoping we'd be able to perform the next day. It was too late now, so we just went to sleep without a word. Later that night, I woke up to one of my friends screaming her head off, staring straight up at the ceiling. Two other friends of mine jumped up awake in confusion. The girl that was in the bed with the screaming girl shook her awake. She woke up confused, not understanding what had just happened or even why we woke her up. All at once, we realized that the air was down again and we were so cold we had chills going down our spines. So we turned the air back up and sat in bed for the rest of the night, again in silence and unable to go to sleep. The next day, we were all so tired from the night before and we decided as a group that we wanted to stay in the hotel that day and then we caught up on our rest. The next night was different. We were all very cheery and happy and we went to sleep later that night. Though I did wake up once in the middle of the night to my friend staring straight down at me, dead in my eyes. She seemed to be in some sort of trance and she really freaked me out. We also heard stuff being thrown in our bathroom, although no one was in there. And at one point, we could hear small cries of children from a room above us. We tried to go back to bed, but the TV began to turn itself off and on over and over. After that group trip, I decided I never wanted to go back, not as a group and not to that hotel. I don't know what was going on, but it sure as heck terrified each and every one of us. Number six, winter break fun, submitted by Anonymous. I'm 15 years old and I'm left alone quite often at my house. It's not a really big deal to me, but when it comes close to dawn, I guess you could say I get a bit anxious. During my freshman year, I was left alone one day during winter break. My sister was at a friend's house and both parents were at work. My brother had recently left to go to the gym and told me he'd be back within an hour or so. So I sat in my basement playing Mario Kart chatting with a friend on the phone, the typical night of a teenager. The snow outside began to come down harder with each passing second, and I assumed my parents were stuck on the roads at the time. It was 10.30 at night, and I began to feel paranoid about all of my surroundings. I had just started a reply to my friend when the power to the house cut out. It wasn't like a usual power outage in my neighborhood because I could hear the power attempting to turn back on with what sounded like a low growl. It groaned once more, and I was left in complete and utter darkness. I became annoyed and was just about to head upstairs to grab a flashlight because my phone was close to being dead. But as soon as I reached the base of the stairs, I heard footsteps in my kitchen. My body froze. No one was supposed to be home for another half hour. I stood there, listening thinking I was only being paranoid again, but the footsteps started back up. Now, with my basement layout, there's no doors to the outside, and it's mostly underground. The only way I could have escaped was through my brother's window, which was completely covered in inches of snow. Plus, the door was very loud. It would give away my position immediately. These footsteps sounded hard and heavy, they sounded like they were coming from a man. I could hear the firm thudding of boots stomping around my kitchen, back and forth. 
I ran to hide in a little storage room. I frantically searched for somewhere to hide. I found a 4x4 space behind a bunch of junk in the corner. I had a small frame, but I still found it difficult to fit between everything. I managed to fit, and I threw a tablecloth over myself in fear of this man, this stranger, coming downstairs. I listened to the man. Suddenly, the footsteps stopped, and I was hoping I just made these sounds up in my head, but I knew that wasn't the case, especially when I hear him say something. Please, please help me. My heart sank. Everything was confirmed. I wasn't in this house alone, and he knew I was there. He knew someone was with him in the house. I shakily grabbed my phone and dialed 911 as quietly as I could. I prayed to God that my phone didn't die before I could tell them my destination. A woman answered, and I immediately started sobbing into the phone. Please, please help me. I'm 15 years old, and I've been left alone. I think someone's in my house. A man, a man broke in, and he's looking for me. The woman tried to calm me down, and when I did calm down a bit, I explained everything again. I told her once more, and I begged her to send someone over immediately. I heard the footsteps growing closer to the stairs, and I cried even harder. I thought I was done for. I was praying and begging that I wouldn't be found. The operator told me that there was an officer on the way, and they had called my parents as well. Luckily, my father must have been close by, because only a minute or two later, someone pulled into the driveway, and I heard my dad barge through the door, yelling at the top of his lungs that whoever was in his house needed to get out, or he would put a hole through them with the gun he had. My phone died. I ran upstairs from the basement and threw myself into my father's arms. I couldn't have been happier to see anyone. I cried until I couldn't breathe. Police soon arrived and everyone searched the house for a sign of anything or anyone who had been here. But the creepiest part about all of this was that there was no trace of a man being inside and that all of the doors were locked with no signs of a break-in. But I can say one thing for sure. There's no way I'll ever forget those cries he made to me, his desperate calls for help. Number seven, Black Shadow Encounter. Submitted by Jay Rodriguez. Let me start off by saying I'm 14 years old and I've always believed in the paranormal but honestly, I never thought I'd see something. But after listening to and reading ghost stories for quite some time, I've become more cautious about these types of things, even though all of this experience happened way too fast. First things first, my younger sister and I are always just trying to look for an adventure. There's this abandoned house at the corner of our street. We've always wanted to go in and explore, but we never really got the chance to. So we made a plan to sneak in through the little fence that night. It was our only chance as we were home alone at last with just my younger brother and cousin in the house. We wanted to make things a bit more exciting too. So we decided to try to play the Ouija board there for the first time. We didn't have a real Ouija board. So we printed a picture of one out and brought it with us to the house. I was highly doubtful that it would work, but we gave it a try anyway. They say if you pour holy water around you, 
and on the board as well. The good spirits will come instead of the bad ones. So me and my sister blessed a bottle of water, thinking that's all it needed to make it holy. And then we sprinkled it around us, trying not to get the Ouija board too wet. It was just a sheet of paper after all. After playing for a while, the only activity we heard or saw were the cars passing up and down the street every couple of minutes. So eventually we just decided to leave since nothing was really happening. I kind of already knew that nothing was going to happen. So we walked a couple of yards back home after crawling underneath the fence again. A few minutes after getting back home, we notice out the window that there's a helicopter hovering over the house, shining its broad searchlight down at where we once were. I thought it was really cool. So me and my sister decided to walk by where the light was to take my cousin back home who lived a couple of blocks away. We had to go out anyway, so it'd be fun to see what they were seeing. On our way back, we see that there are a few cops in the corner of our street in front of the abandoned house. I wasn't about to get me and my sister arrested, so I decided to go all the way around the street instead of coming into contact with the cops. We got home and at this point we were terrified because we didn't see anything there and we realized that the cops were probably looking for a couple of teenagers who had broken onto the abandoned house's property. So nervously, we turned off all the lights in the house, hoping the cops would think no one was home and they wouldn't come knocking at our door. About a half an hour passed and nothing else happened, so we turned the lights back on. We were getting over our anxiety and we realized that we still had the Ouija board, so we completely doused it with the so-called holy water and then ripped it up and threw it away in the trash can. As I'm walking away from the trash bin in the backyard, I see a shadow of a figure something moving next to the side of the car at the side of our house. I brushed it off thinking it may have been the neighbor's cat, as it sometimes comes over to our yard. But not two seconds later, I see another shadow again, this time on the opposite side of the yard, and this one is hopping in between objects. This one's far too big to be a cat, and it's getting ever closer. I got goosebumps and ran inside. Knowing me, I'm not a very scared person, so if that was a cat, I would have known. I wouldn't be running from some cat, and this thing was just huge. My only instinct at this point is to keep far away from that yard in the outside and to lock every door in the house. I must have been surprised and screamed when I ran because both my brother and sister said they heard something. They looked very worried when they saw my face because they'd never heard me scream like that before, let alone see me with such terror in my eyes. After almost having a panic attack or a breakdown, I explained to them what I saw and we decided to call our parents. They said that they were already on their way, but they were still about 25 minutes out. Me and my sister are both panicking, thinking that what I could have seen was a spirit or demon following us from the abandoned house since we had been toying with that Ouija board, but we didn't think it worked. Plus we threw it away so it just didn't add up to us. Then we began to think more rationally we tried to put two and two together. The cops had been here, and maybe the cops were called for a different reason after all. Maybe it was just some man hiding from the cops. Though that idea was still scary, we felt a sort of relief, because anything would be better than having a demon chasing after you, right? But in the back of my mind, I knew this wasn't right. I didn't see a man. I didn't see the outline of a man. I know I saw a black shadowy mass, something that glided when it moved and didn't touch the ground. I don't think it could have been a person, and to this day, I don't think it was. 
As we huddled up scared and couldn't wait for our parents to get home, they finally did, and I didn't see any more shadowy figures for the rest of the evening. We told them what we saw and they brushed it off, telling me not to worry and telling us not to do anything stupid like breaking into an abandoned house. The next day, that same cousin as before came over and asked why I had been screaming so loud the other night. I told her what had happened and she seemed confused. She said that after she heard the scream, she looked out her window and she said she swore she saw me having a conversation with two dark figures. She said that after that, the figures faded away and then I ran back inside. My cousin said herself that she was kind of spooked after seeing that and that she closed the window right away. And after hearing this, I was petrified. What had truly happened that night? It's been about a week since this incident. I'm still not sure what happened. Were they shadow people? Does this even have anything to do with the Ouija board? I don't know, but whatever this was, I hope that I never encounter anything like it ever again. And I'm certainly going to stay away from any Ouija board. Number eight, My Brother's Demon, submitted by Gabriel M. I grew up in a Catholic Hispanic household. We would traditionally decorate our home with rosaries, saint statues, and saint portraits. I remember being between the ages of nine and 10 in the fifth grade. One very creepy problem we used to have was we'd wake up in the mornings with those rosaries and statues I mentioned before, ripped apart and scattered across the house. This was as bizarre as it was terrifying because no one would hear anything in the middle of the night. I chalked it up to my brother sleepwalking or something like that. I was a bit mature for my age due to the fact that me and my brother were involved with the local gang and I've seen a little bit too much for my age. Maybe that kind of stuff speeds up the maturity process. Now, I remember when this encounter happened. It was late November on a Saturday. My brother wasn't living with us anymore due to the fact that my brother had finally got caught doing the stuff he was doing. I remember tossing and turning in my bed, seeing that the room was illuminated enough by the light coming from outside. What little light there was was coming from the moon and the street lamps. Now, as I tried to sleep, I remember hearing the shuffling of clothes I looked around the room slowly and afraid, moving only my eyes, looking for where the noise was coming from. I saw that it was coming from my brother's dresser, and I saw that clothes were being tossed out onto the floor by some unseen presence. It wasn't coming from out of the drawer itself, but instead from a giant pile of clothes that sat on top of it. You see, it was because he was gone and none of us really wanted to put any of his clothes up just yet, so his clothes were just set in a pile on top of his dresser except now this thing, whatever it was, was flinging them about the room. I laid there and I was wondering what was making his clothes do that. Needless to say, I got my answer only a few seconds later. I could soon make out what looked like a ball of gray about the size of a soccer ball. It stayed motionless for a few seconds. And then as my eyes kept staring, I could faintly see arms protruding from what appeared to be a torso underneath the ball and I realized that the ball was this thing's head. This strange creature was sitting on the floor under the dresser. Now, this dresser was about five feet tall, so it wasn't small, but this thing reached out its arm and cleared the entire five feet, 
only to grab some of the clothes off of the pile. I couldn't help but shake, trying my best not to move. The last thing I wanted was this thing's attention on me. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. And at the same time, I'm trying to figure out what I'm looking at. All I see is this gray creature sitting in a squat position. It's similar to a naked bony man with not a hair on his body. The few details I can gather are thanks to the very faint light coming from outside, like its ribcage and small muscles in its legs. As I studied this thing, the thing began to study the room around it. It looked at the door first, which was closed. Then I watched it peek inside the walk-in closet that was in front of my brother's bed. It looked at my brother's bed a lot longer, and then finally, it laid its eyes on me, and I could see this thing's face, and I wish I hadn't. Its face is something I won't forget, something that was seared into my mind for as long as I live. Its cheeks were sunken in, and I couldn't make out a mouth. If its mouth was there, that it had no actual lips, and then I saw its eyes. Its eyes were pitch black, darker than the dark around it, darker than anything I've seen in my life, and unnaturally huge, about the size of softballs. Now I did what any afraid 10-year-old would do. I grabbed my blanket and threw it over myself. I hid there. I was telling myself that this was just a dream, that it's nothing more than some terrifying nightmare. And as I said that, I began to hear this tapping sound, the kind of tapping you do when you drum on your desk when you're bored. But it was more deliberate, like this thing was telling me it's here and it's real. I looked over out from the blanket. I tried to see how this thing was making the noise. I finally got a good look at its hand and from its hand protruded extremely long claws and was tapping its claws on the floor, staring at me. It looked ready to attack or pounce. I threw myself under the blanket again, and I told myself in a loud whisper, it's just a dream, to just wake up. I looked out again, and not only was this thing still there, it was closer to me now, and it was in this bear crawl position. I knew at that moment, I needed to make a run for it. I couldn't run out of the room because the door to the room is right behind the thing, and there was no way I'm running past it. And then I recalled that at the side of my brother's bed, he left a baseball bat, and on top of his bed was his lamp. I jumped up immediately and ran for my brother's bed. Every step of the way, I could feel this thing right on my trail. I could hear its tapping and cluttering and shuffling behind me. This creature sounded more like a giant spider on the wood floor rather than some humanoid thing. My first stop was the light. I tried to turn it on, and of course, of all the times it could have done this, this lamp just had to be like every damn lamp in every horror movie and not work at all. Then I reached for the bat. At this point, I could feel something crawling onto the bed behind me. I could feel the mattress giving in to something else's weight besides my own. I turned, wielding the baseball bat, only to see this thing now standing up full force. It was on the bed with me, level to me at the feet but it was so crazily tall that it had to bend its head forward so that it wouldn't smack into the ceiling. I braced myself, the bat in my hands ready to swing. I blinked once and this thing had its arms ready as if it was about to grab me or slice me into thin strips. I blinked once more and when I did, the lamp was now on 
and the room was empty. I was alone again. Whatever the heck I had just seen, it wasn't there anymore. I couldn't believe it. I ran to the main light in the bedroom and I turned it on. I trashed the room, looking for this thing, trying to be sure that it was really gone. I wanted to be sure that it was there at all. My mom walked in, tired-eyed and yelling at me, wanting to know what all the ruckus was, but my face was covered in tears and I was so scared I was shaking still and I could barely talk. She must have seen how worried I looked because her face went from exhaustion and irritation to love and worry. I told her what had happened after I calmed down a little bit and even if she didn't believe me, she humored me enough to bless the room and she went to sleep with me in the living room. There was no way I was going back to that room by myself. Two weeks pass by and there's not much more of an incident. No sign of the creature, at least. We're on our way to visit my brother. I ask my mother if I could speak with my older brother in private, though. So when we get there, after a while of conversation between the three of us, she leaves the room and I begin to chat with my brother. We talk about school and friends at first, but I'm here to get down to the nitty gritty. I need some answers. I tell him exactly what I saw in that room that night. His voice changes a bit and he sounds more nervous, but then he laughs at me and says that I must have found his weed or dirty magazines or pills or something. I looked at him with a straight face and I tell him I saw a man or a thing in that room. It got quiet before I said anything else. He sighed, then asked me, did it have gray skin, long claws or fingers? He asked me with a tremble in his voice if it was skinny, if it had big black eyes. I sat back and softly said, yes. He then told me that he's been seeing this thing for a while now. He would often wake up in the middle of the night and see it in the corner of his room, tapping on the floor. Other times it would be sitting on the end of his bed, staring right at him. During the whole conversation, I noticed the look in my brother's face. He went from being macho to a scared child. And for one of the first times in my life, I saw tears running down his face. I believed him right away. To me, my older brother was the biggest and baddest person I knew, but to see him so afraid, it shook me to my very core. I've seen him pull a man from his car window only to beat the crap out of him. I've seen him fight off three cops at once before being pepper sprayed and nailed to the ground. He may not have been the best guy, but he was the toughest guy I knew. After visiting my brother, I was scared to go back to that house but I had no other choice, but I've tried to stay away from that bedroom at night as best as I can. Number nine, The Creepy Attic, submitted by Kieran. We've been in this house for about two years now. I've never thought too much about ghosts or things like that, but I simply can't explain what's going on in my house now. Maybe it's a ghost trying to be noticed, or maybe some demon trying to scare me. All in all, this is what led me to believe that my attic is haunted. One thing that completely unsettled me about my new room was that the entrance to the attic was inside my closet. It was a small attic door that you have to push up to get inside. I was always scared that some serial killer lived up there and was waiting to make a move on me. 
Two nights in a row, I would wake up to my TV off and my door shut, but everyone in the house knew that I couldn't sleep in complete darkness or silence. When I went to bed, the TV was always on and the door was always open. And I know that if my sister or someone else would have done it while I was sleeping, I would have woken up to catch them. It's happened before. If someone touches the TV or door while I'm sleeping, I'll wake right up because it really throws me off. So the fact that I slept through it, it was really odd for me. Not to mention none of my family would fess up to it. I went on with my days normally and didn't think too much of it. I have a hard time going to sleep, so it was probably three hours after I laid down one night that I actually went to sleep. When I woke up, it was complete darkness. I sighed and got up. Being that we just moved in and threw away most of the furniture in my room, all I had was some stuff in my closet, a bed and the TV on a stand. As I was walking towards my door to open it, I stepped on something. I just shrugged it off and assumed one of my dogs brought it in there. I turned on the lights and opened the door. I figured since I was already up, I could walk the dogs to let them use the restroom. But oddly, they didn't come up at all. Every time I called them, they wouldn't listen. So I turned around, and that's when I noticed the crazy mess in my room. The crazy mess that wasn't there when I had woken up. My closet door was open, and everything inside my closet was now scattered across the room. I immediately flipped out and ran into the basements where my parents slept. That's where my dogs were. They were already down there in the basement, cowering and afraid. I asked my parents what had happened, and my mom told me that when she woke up, my door was shut and the dogs were in their room. That was easily the scariest day of my life. I have no idea what happened, and I hope it doesn't happen again. And now I've got a couple of more things in my nightly routine. One, I will not open my closet door and I leave it shut at night. And two, whenever I have to open it for any reason, I will not look in the direction of the attic door. I truly think that this had something to do with whatever lies in the attic. And number 10, it tried to kill me. Submitted by BCW. Ever since I was little, I felt that there were these things in the house. For a little while, I could never really explain what it was. And when I felt something was there, it was hardly a positive sensation. Sometimes I'd get physical pain. Sometimes I'd feel like there were cold bubbles bursting in my stomach. Sometimes I'd be filled with dread and fear. Being a kid, that was always pretty scary for me. My family never believed me when I told them what I felt. This story had been one of those times. Now, I'm used to having nightmares from time to time, so when it first happened, I wasn't too surprised. Just like any other night, I'd gotten completely ready for bed and settled in for a good night's rest. I was a lot more tired than I normally was, more tired than I should have been, but I'm a big fan of sleep, so I wasn't going to complain about it. I remember the dream clearly, almost everything about it, from the events to the furniture in the room. The room itself had been pretty bare with only a black couch, white walls, light wooden floors that were sort of glossy, and one tall black lamp. There had been no doors and only one window that had blinds on it. I've seen the horror movies, and had I been awake, I would have never done what I did, but for some reason, I decided to open the blinds and look outside. It had been dark as night outside the window, 
and just as I was going to put the blinds down, I noticed that the reflection in the glass looked as clear and bright as me looking into a mirror. It looked just like me, just that its eyes were wide as hell, and I felt paralyzed with fear. I've felt what I consider evil things before, but not something like this. Whatever the presence was, it felt like it wanted to kill me, and I had no idea what to do. There was no door to the room, so how was I supposed to get out? Stepping back quickly, something burst through the window, and the evil that radiated off of it was making me sick to my stomach. I began to turn around as this thing chased me, and I can't help but feel that the thing was just messing with me. It could have easily caught me if it wanted to. It could have killed me just then and just there, on the spot, but it didn't. A few seconds into the chasing, a door had been made, and through that door walked two people. One of them was over seven feet tall, and the other one looked like they were about the normal height of a 16 or 17-year-old boy. They were both male, and I didn't think they were going to attack me either. Once they walked in, the demon thing disappeared. The tall one had sat down on the couch with his legs crossed, while the other one stood next to him. I couldn't move any longer, and these two figures suddenly walked over to me, one on either side. They leaned down to whisper in my ears, and I listened. I had no other choice but to listen. They told me it was going to be okay. They told me to calm down, to relax, but something felt very, very wrong. And suddenly, I woke up. I was back in my dark room, relieved that it was all just a dream, that none of it was real. But I soon saw that my relief was incorrect. Something, somehow, had come back with me. That same demon figure that had chased me through the room in my dream, I saw it across the room from me, kneeling next to my dresser. This wasn't sleep paralysis, because I had risen out of bed in a cold sweat. I was holding myself up, wiping my brow, just trying to calm down when I looked over across from me and saw it. In fact, only a moment after I looked at it, this inhuman creature jumped off the floor onto the dresser and then faded out of existence, but not before knocking some of my things off of my dresser. Immediately, I got up and turned on the light. I couldn't be in the dark any longer, but I was alone in my room and there was nothing left there save for the things that had fallen off of my dresser. For several nights after that, as I tried to sleep in that room, I heard something whispering threats of killing me, something close to my ear that wouldn't be there when I turned towards it, always whispering death threats. It got so bad that I was so scared of going back to my room that I would want to throw up at night. I didn't sleep for several days, Eventually, I texted a friend, now ex-friend, about my problem. I couldn't do this alone anymore. She was a Wiccan and had some experience with demons. After telling her everything, she told me that I didn't need to worry and that she would take care of it. I don't know what she did, but the next night, I saw the creature figure again, and right next to it was a taller figure. At first, I thought it was worse, that things had gotten even more out of hand, and I crawled away from the figures, but then I noticed that the tall silhouette had its hand, or what should have been its hand, around the thing's throat. Now, it all just looked like shadows, so this is how it appeared to me, but after seeing these figures that night, I never saw either of them again. Just to be safe, 
I asked my mom to bless the house, and she did. We've since moved from the home, but I will never forget these experiences. I will never forget the demon that was trying to kill me. Many believe that ghosts are really the souls of those who have died, while others say that they are evil spirits that only pretend to be human to get closer to people. Either way, you have to be careful when you're dealing with spirits. You don't want to get too close. You don't want to invite them into your home or even inside you. The last thing you want is to have something other than you inhabiting your body. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your lifeguard stories and gaming stories soon at darknessprevails.org. And a big thanks goes out to all my newest patrons. Maddie A, Hobbit Webb, Bonnie Iben, Sky Birch, Edward Ballou, Vespertine Flora, and Jory Kinunen. Thank you all so much for your support of Darkness Prevails. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.